And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi, everybody. Sorry, I just wanted to fuck with you. <laughs> funny. Very funny, Hope. I know. Real funny. I, I, real, I got the jokes, Chris. The yeah. jokes. Okay, all right. No, for real. <laughs> You're a very funny lady. I try. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast talking about something Star Wars. In this episode, Cassian must carefully navigate the distrust inherent in being a new member of a secret operation. There will be... Rest in peace, Nimic's really cool model. It was, I hate watching you burn. You were really cool. So mm. we're, we're talking about Andor Episode 5, The Axe Forgets. This week, how are you doing, Chris? Oh, and I'm Hope, by the way. But how are you doing, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. That's good. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know what I'm tired of, though? Hmm. Uh, you know what I'm not tired of? Hmm. Watching Star Wars shows. No, me neither. I, you know what? You know what I'm tired of? Huh. People crying about Star Wars TV shows. I'm just I know. God damn it. <laughs> just like and and not not even like not even griping, fretting, fretting and 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 like like uh, okay, what I'm specifically talking about is this third season of Mandalorian. And all these, you know, there's people who are just like, rat, you know, the people who are like, rat sucks, you know, I know just to avoid it because they got a, they've got their, you know, their line their They've got their, their, their thing. They're working on it. They've decided it sucked a while ago. I know what, I know what they're all about, but there's people just like, oh, this storyline. It's just like, can't you just relax and just like, let the story do its thing, you know, because I watched in, in the last step the the penultimate episode of this season, the, the last episode as, is coming out tomorrow. The penultimate episode tied up a lot of things. And up until that point, everybody's good. But what about this? What about that? We haven't seen this yet. We, and we're doing this. We're doing the sideline while we're doing that. And, and then, you know, eventually, here it all comes, and oh, this is great. It's just like relax, just relax. I, and I do, and those yeah, sidelines, maybe they're not even sidelines because you and I are familiar with the Dave Filoni method. You see a sideline, sometimes it's a sideline, sometimes it turns up and is very important or plays a, a role. They're like, oh, we have this sideline into this utopian city with Jack Black. It's like, yeah, well, maybe things won't be utopian in that city for forever or maybe things aren't you you know maybe we, maybe we visited that for a reason because it's gonna you know it's gonna be useful somewhere we, in the future. i think 
my 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 little tinfoil hat theory is because of the Netflix binge age that an entire generation grew up with. We've lost yeah. the big ability to like wait week to week to know no. that like because I, I had this with Bad Batch. You're not people... cr- just relax and enjoy it and don't cross off the you know you're not waiting to get the stuff just ride along with the story. And hey, because yeah, it... and that's the thing like not. Here's the thing. Not every episode is for plot. Some episodes are there for character. Some episodes are there for world building. Not everything has to be in the fucking plot. Some of them are fun. Some of them some are of there them... for some are there I'm there to sit back and relax and, and just enjoy. And... Some of these are there so you can get to know a character so it hurts when he dies in the season finale, Bad Batch. <laughs> so it mean, means something. Yeah, you know, or it's just like and 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 they're going, I don't know, you know, what if people, people, all this Mandalorian stuff, the, the casual Star Wars user or watcher doesn't know what, but, 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 but here's the thing. All these things are going into like Disney Plus and whether Disney Plus survives, there'll be some Disney, you know, maybe it'll be a Disney Star Wars site or something. All this stuff will be there for people to watch. So like. Mm-hmm. If people are curious, they can go back and like pick up all that stuff. But the casual, the the person they're fretting about, those casual Star Wars viewers, like the mom, like your mom, like your stepmom. They're not gonna watch if they don't want to. That that you know, like the 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 only Star Wars, you know, that that they just remember vague ideas of Luke and Han and Leia, and maybe the last Star Wars movie they really like remember anything about was Return of the Jedi or whatever. It doesn't matter if they're not caught up because every Star Wars movie they see is like that. I know the these people. I work with them. I have them in my f- friends and family. They go like, "All right, I'm watching the Mandalorian, but when does this take place?" You know. Where is, you know, you know, is the death when, when, now is this before Star Wars, you know, and, <clears throat> and they always make them with just enough action and, and stuff to, you know, if those people are confused, they can at least follow a, 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 a storyline without completely understanding it because they're never going to understand any, you know, any Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> see, but they go see them because they like Star. It's like a James Bond movie. They're like, oh, I know Star Wars movies. It should this should be good, fun two hours. You know, I don't know what the hell's going on. There's a lot of people who watch the Marvel movies like that. So don't worry about them. Yeah. Don't worry about them. That's them. That's them. Let them. And, and honestly, them figure the way it that out. a lot of like casual fans, and and I do worry about casual fans according like every once in a while because I do think sometimes if things get like super specific i think some of the casuals can be lost but i also don't see a bad thing of having like some like general shows and i and i like like general casual viewer shows and like some deep diving nerdy shows the casual viewers can also look up the the old episodes and watch them or not they could if they're really curious there's a million little wikis and you know videos of people who explain what all that is and you can catch up you know it's it's not a big deal i do i do um feel like maybe what's so jarring with this though is because the mandalorian was the casual show and it's moving into more not as casual so i do understand the concern i also don't care <laughs> well the I people i hear care. complaining about it aren't the casual users they're the fans right <laughs> right so so 
whatever. If we're worried about it going into those directions, it's not the casuals who are going on YouTube making videos uh, griping about it. So there you go. (sighs) Anyway, I'm enjoying the hell out of this season of the (laughs) month. So you're saying you had a good week then? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's. Tomorrow should be crazy. I'm very excited about tomorrow's upload too. I'm kind of um, like I, I'm kind of hoping for, that, for context that, listeners. That, for context, tomorrow is the season finale of the, Mando. The finale, yeah, yeah. yeah so. I'm 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 hoping that that like my my head fit, my head cannon right now is that grievy guy who kidnapped Din was like one of the like cloning experiments that got loose into the sewers and has just been mm. like keeping himself alive with equipment he he can scavenge and and uh like oh my god i never thought about that holy shit as soon as as soon as you saw that that they had an imperial base there and moff gideon's got like his own cloning chambers and stuff i'm like Ooh, you know they probably pulled out grievous's plan and tried to make you know saw what they could make you know like yeah, let's let's uh let's clone a brain stem and stick it in a in this and it got loose and was hanging around. And that's why and it would have blood collection because they like to collect midichlorian blood there. So he had some blood collection machinery to keep his blood fresh. <laughs> Gross but neat. Yes. <laughs> Gross but neat. Um yeah, I'm excited. I had a great weekend. You should ask me what I did. I know what you did. You went Sherlock Holmes and the 221B con. I did. I went to 221B con. Um, I'm a, I'm definitely on the con drop tonight, so I'm kind of tired. So just bear with me, everybody. We are going to slide through this episode. And don't bear worry. You, you're going to get, you'll get a, and we got an episode out of, uh, uh, there you did a Star Wars panel there. So you will be hearing that. I did, and I was with two very lovely panelists. Uh, there was Nora and Debbie, and they were both really lovely. Um, so I don't. That's what next week. I think so. Okay. Yes, yes, it is. It is. It is. Yes. So you guys will hear that next week. Um, I also did another uh, panel that was uh, asexuals writing smut, and that was a lot of fun. Sadly, I I couldn't record that one because. Uh, they have a very strong policy of uh, no adult, not recording none of the adult stuff. Not even that. Um, things that could be very personal. Uh, Google two two one beacon twenty fifteen, and that's why there was a whole kerfluffle about it. Um, oh. But that was a, a really fun panel, and I got to tell some fun stories, and everybody was really interested. And overall, it was just a really nice weekend. I got to see like my best friends, and then me and Megan stayed up till like in five a.m. on Sunday, which I'm still recovering from, but it was worth it. But I, yeah, I got to hang out. I got to promote for Light and Dice and Jake as a Jedi, and got to see a lot of cool gays. And I, I met Gritty. Somebody cosplayed as Gritty. Oh, you met Gritty. Oh, okay. Someone cosplayed as Gritty. I'm like, what character is Gritty? Oh, Gritty. You met Gritty. Gritty <laughs> showed up at the dance party because somebody was cosplaying Gritty. <laughs> and it was funny because I was sitting like near the door because um, Megan was doing ballroom dancing and me, Kate, and Francine were hanging out just waiting around for her to be done. And I looked down the hallway and I see just Gritty walking down the hallway and I just bolted. Sure, like, why not? Why why not at the old Sherlock Holmes fest? 
well, get gritty out there to 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 get things going. So that's the interesting get this party thing about, going. That's the interesting thing about two two one Beacon. It's really evolved. And I'm wondering if down the line, if they'll eventually change up the con, because it's really 60-40 Sherlock Holmes. It yeah, started yeah. as like from because of BBC Sherlock's person, uh, like um, popularity. So it's more like a community now than it is like a. It's become a community, but so like you have about 60% Sherlock Holmes stuff, and it's all Sherlock. It's not just BBC. It's like Arthur Conan Doyle. One of the favorites of the con is the Asylum Sherlock Holmes. And it's by the people who did Sharknado. So it's very lovingly called Sherlock Holmes and Dinosaurs. Go watch it. It's amazing. It's about Sherlock Holmes fighting T-Rexes in London. It's great because it's by the Sharknado people. Um, And, like, you know, um, it has the uh, Peter Cushing Sherlock. Like, they cover all Sherlock Holmes. But then the other 40% is, like, popular stuff going on. Like, we ha- I went to an R flag meeting. Have they done, like, panel. the 7% solution and stuff like that? The Nick- Nicholas My- Nick Meyer? They have in the past. Yeah, I do remember those panels. Um, but they also do, like, queer panels. Like, the Asexuals Running Smut panel that I was on. Um, there, I went to a, an R flag means death. Good omens is a very popular thing. Um, last year there was a Ted Lasso panel. When Yuri on Ice was really popular, we had that a panel. So like it's, um, I, I wanted to offer up an interview with the vampire panel, but I just didn't get a chance to do it because I missed the deadline on it. So it is more of a community though. Like it's a very queer space, like um, that people just meet and hang out, and it's a family. And I. I try to like tell people and they have like writing panels too um they have all sorts of things so i always encourage people to come it's a really nice little con it's very queer very friendly it the hotel people are super sweet and i definitely want everybody to come because they should experience to do Con. i went to a k-pop meetup <laughs> that my friend allison was running she did a whole powerpoint on the band 17 i am now aware who dk is that that's about as far as i got but, like, it's just a fun thing, you know. We got together and we watched the Creator Clash Saturday night. And my boy fucking Aaron Hansen won. <laughs> my boy Aaron Hansen won. So, like, yeah, it's just a really fun community. And everyone should come. Like, just because it's 221 Beacon, like, it's more than just that. And I wish more people would come. And they have, like, really neat things. Like, <laughs> Megan came back to the room and she was like, Hope, I just went to the most interesting panel about the history of syphilis. And I was like, oh. I'm sure that could be a very interesting panel. Sure. But there's also, like, the history of drug use and stuff like that, too. Like, And, of course, like, Sherlock Holmes. Like, So they have things about, like, you know, the ships. Like, come listen to why people like Moriarty and Moran. The his- history of drug use is, like, a whole major in college worth of right? history. Right. <laughs> And if you're a friend, uh, a fan of his movies, you'll probably see Curtis Armstrong there because he's not a guest. He just likes the con and he will really? come and do panels. Yeah. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. He right? is. Or we were talking about Curtis Armstrong from Revenge of the Nerds and from, yeah. like, oh, and yep. from, oh my God, he's That's one him. of, I, 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 I mean, Revenge of the Nerds and, um. Oh, what the hell was the Risky Business, the Tom Cruise movie? He was at the uh, at the table next to us eating mac and cheese, and I was just like, hey, Curtis, and he was just like, hey, Hope. <laughs> oh, like, my God. 
he's just get a him huge... on the show. I'll 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 I will be I'll be just like yeah. <laughs> my hero. He's a, he's a, he is just a very engaging actor. He also ran some of the like I, I went to two of his panels. Um, he was running the from house to psych panel, and he was also doing uh, a panel on the worst Sherlock Holmes stories, um, and they were really fun. So, but like he's not there as a guest. He just likes Sherlock Holmes, and he's just gone the last three years just because he likes it. <laughs> yeah, so his you- his de- in risky business, his delivery of "What the fuck, Joel?" Just say <laughs> "What the fuck." What the fuck, Joel? <laughs> it's just fucking <laughs> priceless. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. So you should. He's just uh, really nice. So go go to. I, I was not expecting Curtis Armstrong to come up in this uh, conversation, and so he, he's really cool. Family. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Tell just... your podcast partner thinks he's awesome next time you see him. It will probably be next year at the con. Yeah. But yeah, everyone should come to do and be con. It's a family. It's fun. Oh, I... oh. Can I give you? Can I mail you? My Revenge of the Nerds to Curtis Armstrong yo-yo to have him autograph for me. <laughs> you can, but would it, you I do won't. That for me, I would, but I won't see him till next April. So yes. Oh well, that gives me plenty of time to remember to mail it to you. I do have a Curtis Armstrong Revenge of the Nerds yo-yo though. I I will absolutely do that for you. Ooh, I'm holding it in my hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be like because i don't know him super well like um i have a lot i lost interview somewhere on a hard drive that i interviewed him but other than that like i just i i can't he imagine would, he wouldn't be very happy to see his yo-yo that he might not even know exists <laughs> <laughs> so is it his actual prop from the movie no no it was something it was i'm guessing I don't think they were selling Revenge of the Nerds to Nerds in Paradise merch in stores, so I'm guessing it's a promotional, you know, a promotional thing that they gave out before the movie came out. Uh. And it's just a black and white picture of a smiling Curtis Armstrong on one side and then the logo on the other side on a yellow yo-yo. On just a simple yellow yo-yo. But it sits right next to my other prized Freddy Krueger yo-yo. Hmm. So Krueger and Curtis, those are the only two yo-yos I own. A Krueger and a Curtis. Yeah, I, yeah. if you want, just, you know, send it to me and I'll get it signed and yeah. take it back to you. <laughs> yes. And I'll even go, like, I'll be like, hi, Curtis. And, like, he, the reason he, he knows me is because... Crystal, who's one of the con directors who I know very well, was sitting and she was just like, Oh, hi, Hope. And he looked up and he was like, Oh, you're Hope. Hi. I was like, Hi, Curtis. Hi, Crystal. And then I ate some mac and cheese and some Brussels sprouts. They have really good Brussels sprouts there. Oh my God. I had the best Brussels sprout and kale cold slaw. And they also have roasted Brussels sprouts. And it sounds like, it sounds like, there's there's this ch- health food chain. It sounds like maybe they went and got like ca- they do catering, and they make brus they they make Brussels sprouts and the slaw like that too that are delicious. Like so the Brussels good. sprouts, were, bre- they uh, were very I, garlicky. Had- they were like garlicky. They had something. They had a lot of some flavor in them that was delicious. 
besides they were like really well roasted. I'm going through like a Brussels sprouts kick because Brussels I, sprouts I, are delicious. Here's they, you, they you, are you, when they're made the right way. You 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 this is this is my Brussels sprouts. You know, you cut the flat bottom off them, you cut them in half, and uh, you can cut them in half or quarters depending on how how big a piece you like them, and then get a you have a um. Uh, the pan you're going to cook them in, preferably like a Teflon, mm-hmm. throw them in there with some water and cook them in the water in water first. That, and it'll sort of steam them and soften them up. And then you just throw some butter and salt and pepper in there. And then you you fry them up in the butter the rest of the way until they're getting nice and um, <laughs> roasted. Or you can toss them in butter and roast them in the oven and and do it that way but that that the the on the stovetop is the like fast way where you don't have to wait for them to cook in the oven and mm. they come out good mm. good especially with that butter butter anyway sorry <laughs> <laughs> we had a moment guys we should probably talk about the episode yes we went from we went well, we went from legitimate hope news to curtis heart uh, curtis fandom to Brussels sprouts. So I didn't so, realize so, you were that big of a fan. I wish I would have known. Oh, that got yeah, Armstrong sooner. and Brussels sprouts are two things I have a real passion for. So that you just sort of stumbled onto right in a row. <laughs> so are you ready to get into this? Yeah, we better. Yeah. <laughs> so I will Armstrong say... and Brussels sprouts free episode of Andor. Although no, if, he show, if he shows up on Andor, he he could be a great imperial. I'll have to send you. <gasps> he could be Nemec's father. I'll have to send you the picture I have of Curtis Armstrong in a kilt. Actually, it's on Facebook. I just posted my to you on Beacon, so there's a picture of Curtis Armstrong Ex- in a kilt. Uh, excellent. Wow. So, oh, by the way, everybody. So, for some light um, housekeeping news, we hear you. We got you, and we are going back to the three-act structure. structure. As thank of now. You, as of now. So thank you for going along with our experiment. Sometimes you do stuff, and it just doesn't work out. And it didn't work out. So we're back to the three-act structure. So here we go. Thank you all for your feedback. We heard you. We love you. We appreciate it. So, yes. You ready? I'm ready. Hmm. And our episode five, The Axe Forgets, aired on October 5th, 2022. It was written by Dan Gilroy and directed by Susanna White. Some extra information for you. Uh, Lita Mothma, I should also tell everybody, I did act one last week before we did our celebration episode because my brain juice ran out. So if I don't remember act one, that's why. It was a week ago. Lita Mothma was played by Bronte Carmichael, who was in the Christopher Robin movie playing the daughter of Ewan McGregor's titular character. Vanis Tigo is played by Wolf Scolding from Game of Thrones. Vanis Tigo might not seem like anybody at first in this episode, but he's the asshole Imperial that covers B2 Emo during Marva's speech in the last episode and then kicks the little droid over. He's that asshole. But he's, that. yeah, he's that asshole. Kim Z, the communications guy on Aldani, is played by Nick Blood from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Euphoria. And while I'm not going to mention every Easter egg in Luthen's shot, two cool ones are, there's a couple of cool Indiana Jones ones in there, including his whip is in carbonite in the background and the Sankara stones from Temple of Doom. 
There's also a Jedi in a Sith holocron on his, in his back room on a shelf. I am saying this because I have a note about it. One Easter egg is that Cyril Khan has clone trooper action figures in his room, which I thought was interesting because the clones are good guys, but then I remember the Empire turned into the Republic, so you know what? That tracks. And finally, the axe forgets, but the tree remembers, is a real-world proverb that comes from Zimbabwe, specifically from the Shona tribe. Ho ho ho! Axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Yeah! How you doing, Yoda? Yoda's good. So, I have a thing for you. What? I, I miss Yoda. Mm. I miss your wisdom. Yeah, I, yes, wisdom is important. I crave your wisdom, oh Master Yoda. Full of wisdom, Yoda is. Grand Master Yoda. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> wisdom's coming out yeah yeah so uh here's a fortune cookie lay some wisdom on me yoda gotta fire up that wisdom gotta warm it up Warm up the wisdom. Mm. Mm. I feel it. I feel it coming. I feel it coming. Half of being smart is knowing what you are dumb about. In bed. You know, that's a very good one. (laughs) It's not wrong. Yes, Yoda can get very dumb in bed. Yoda just puts Yoda's brain right in the in the, on the nightstand in a glass of water. Hope can be very dumb about that stuff too. Listen to for light and dice, and you get to hear that Hope didn't know what poppers were, and mm. Charles had to explain it to me. Mm. Poppers, mm. like that, like the jalapeno cheddar ones Yoda does. Yeah, we'll go with that one, Yoda. We'll Ooh. go with that. Yes, so. Yoda's Yoda's gonna go out looking and ask people if they can get Yoda some poppers. Yoda, I suddenly want some poppers. Oh, oh, God! Uh, should we stop him? Oh, <laughs> that is Let true. Him that's, find out. That's He's actually a very of wisdom. That's actually very close to how I found out what they were. I just made a joke about, like, I I was in character, and my character likes to eat, so I was just like, yeah, I'm going to get some candy, like, you know, the little popper candy, something like that. And in my brain, I'm thinking Pop Rocks. Chris and Charles just start dying. (laughs) 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 I have no idea why. And then when we took a break, Charles explained to me what poppers were. (laughs) Charles, if you're listening, I want to, yeah, so thanks, now I know. We'll and then I told that story. Check in your DMs. There's a couple pictures there. We... And then I told that story to my asexuals writing smut panel. Ooh. Because I was writing a character who was a gay man in the 80s. And I learned a thing. I was like, oh, this is great for his character. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned. What ups? So, yeah. I if if you don't know what poppers are, um, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. 
Anyway. There's a whole internet waiting to tell you all about them if you really want to know. Yep. Yep. Well, for the first time in like five episodes, are you ready for Act One? Act One. It really wasn't too hard to to put this into three acts either, was it? it like, no, no, about twelve, around the twelve minute mark ish. Yeah, and it, then I would it, see it, wherever it would, that scene. It was always changing, switching around to things, so it was like, yeah, that was easy. Yeah. So, um, oh, I just scratched myself. Act One. We open. With sad boy Cyril Karn and his mother is like, Cyril, come stop looking at the light of Coruscant, because you're not the light of my life, you're the light of my disappointment. And here's your Cocoa Puffs, I'm going to pour your Cocoa Puffs for you. You're such like a piece of work, you know, how are you going to make like business decisions now, because you're slouching. How are you going to do like some great things? And meanwhile, Cyril is just like, someone drown me in these Cocoa Puffs, please. And she's like... You never come and visit your mother anymore. Why are you not coming to visit your mother? And he's like, you could have visited me on Morlana 1. She's like, that shithole? No. Why would I want to go there? I'm going to call Uncle Harlow. We're going to get the family favor. And he's like, uh, this mysterious Uncle Harlow, will he remember you? And she's like, we'll see. And that's, yeah. Meanwhile, on Aldani, Cassian, who is Clem, which makes him Clemsian, Clemsian wakes up to find all his stuff missing. And when he sees that his stuff is gone, he has a tiny freak out, and he runs over to find Skeen. And Skeen is shirtless and bathing and also looking at Cassian's stuff. And Clemsian is just like, what the fuck are you doing with my stuff? Half nude? And he's like, look, dude, I am checking in to make sure there's no crazy radio devices, any stuff like that. They'll tell me to. Yeah. And we, though you got some funky stuff here, this is a nice uh, corporate officer blaster you got. And he's like, yeah, I stole it off him. Nice prison tattoos, by the way. And he's like, oh, you like them? You get them, right? He's like, yeah. And then they have like a tiny like bond over their prison tattoos and sort of, and they get it. And Skin's like, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. And by the way, the extra kids, but the tree remembers, right? I said the thing of the episode. And Cassian's like, oh, so you hear revenge? And Skin's like, eh. <laughs> and he walks off. Um, and no, he doesn't walk off because Cassian's like, well, I don't know if I trust everybody here. And Skeen's like, don't worry. Nimic runs on true believer juice and Senta and Vel have the power of lesbians. And don't worry about Terraman. He's also great. And Gorn is here too, but not here because he's at the base. And now Skeen walks off. And then we go to Mon Mothma. And she wakes up and she's having a lovely morning until she runs into her shitty husband. And she's like, good morning, shitty husband. He's just like, hello, cold wife, who has rejected everything in our marriage because you keep so many secrets from us and push us away. Oh, speaking of people who get pushed away, good morning, Lita. And Lita comes in, and Mon Mothma's like, why are you not dressed and eating? We're supposed to be leaving right now. And Lita's like, oh, so I can be your political tool to make you look good, to help you get votes? No, I'd rather just have my mom, thanks, not be used for... A political tool and all. And Mon is like, ow, Perrin. And he's like, what? I don't disagree. Why do you think our marriage is so cold? She's like, ow, awesome. I'm a bad mom. I won't go so far as saying I'm a bad wife, though. Because Perrin kind of sucks. Anyway, back with the rebels. Nimic 
hyper focuses on Cassian. And he's just like, hello, new reader. And Cassian's like, reader? What are you talking about? And he's like, this is my really cool old tech. And this is also my manifesto. And here's all the reason why the world sucked. Because, you know, this is essentially, I'm going to explain to you why everything sucks since 2020, 2016 in particular. Technically, it's been sucking since the Reagan era. But it's particularly has sucked since 2016. These are all the reasons why. Also, look at all my cool tech. And also, fuck Apple and Amazon. And all the other corporations. Fuck them all. We need more unions. And Cassian's like, ha ah, ha okay. <laughs> but before Nimit can get too much into his stuff for Cassian, Tamarin calls uh, Terramin. I keep wanting to say call him Tamarin, but it's Terramin. <laughs> Terramin calls Clem over in a meeting with Vel. And Vel's just like, hey, Cassian, if you had to fly this ship, the getaway ship, how would you fly it? And he's like, I'm sorry, what? He's like, we don't we don't know how to get it off the rail. He's like, I'm sorry, what? You're just gonna go in there and fucking wing the most important part, which is us getting away? And they were like, we would have figured it out. He's like, nah, I'm flying it. If I'm trusting you with my life, I'm flying the fucking thing. And Bella's like, okay. And Tamarin Terramin is just like, come on, let's go stop start training. End of act one. Woohoo! Axe! Yeah, wow. So short. Whew. It's a nice break, too, because then I can drink my water. Okay. My short note is, I want one of those hammocks. Those are some nice-looking hammocks. The way they have the pillow sewn into the inside of them, they're very utilitarian. They look used. Everything in this episode looks heavily used and like it's hung out outside. It's it's the the set the set dressing is fantastic. Everything is fantastic in it. I mean, it it looks like like sometimes Ewok villages look like play sets set up in the woods. You know, mm-hmm. I would go with this, that. Yeah. This does not. Their clothes everything are all looks dirty. Very function- yeah. And, and even like all, they're all that clothes. heavy mesh, like hemp, sort of like Guatemalan looking fabric that's very good for that kind of environment because it's warm but it also wicks moisture off it and it's thought out and also i would say that cassian's clothes look newer than the rest of theirs because he just got there Mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't look like it's been as worn so yeah that's a really nice like detail he's in sweet street yeah and and he sort of came in his street clothes and um I love the wouldn't that be lovely line though, where he's like, you know, I just want to get, you know, get this and get my money. And he's like, oh, wouldn't that be lovely? I have a note about that, but I'm going to come back to it in act three. Um, okay. Remember a few episodes ago, I'm like, Hey, I have that lamp that Cassian was carrying on the ship. <laughs> it's just like yeah. a lamp. Yeah. The flashlight. What do you There's have another this time? piece of equipment in here. <laughs> what do that, you have that's this a time? total total age shower. Is uh the 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 old navigator tech mm-hmm. that Nemec has? That's a Polaroid camera. It is absolutely straight a Polaroid up, camera. Straight up, my grandfather had that camera. I have. I think one you of told a... me this when the episode came out. Because <laughs> you're like, I have that camera. 
Yeah, it's a straight up old Polaroid land camera. The way when he pulled it up, it's still got the they just doctored it up a little bit, spray painted it, but it's still got where the flashes and everything on it. It's a Polaroid, it's a vintage Polaroid land camera. And it's great because there's whole generation, the whole generations watching this that ain't never seen one of those. And uh, it's just a great prop to show it. And the thing about this show is, and I don't like hang out in like fan groups that often, or I should say at all. But like when the Mandalorian's on and stuff <laughs> and Obi-Wan was on, everybody's making videos like, you know, here's the stuff we spotted and this and that. Nobody was doing that for Andor. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. The best they could do is every once in a while they would do some of the stuff at Luthen's shop. But it wasn't like, you know, the 48 Easter eggs in Andor this week, you know. So I never saw anybody ever. I haven't seen anybody else mention that there's like a Polaroid camera just hanging out in this episode. But I thought that was cool. Um. I have a note here that says family tension episode, but I'm, oh, okay. So, cause yeah, cause it's got the, like, Cyril and Mon Mothma's family, families being just like grumpy with each other. Mm-hmm. And the Mon Mothma stuff is good. It's set, setting stuff up and it's good, uh, mother daughter drama and, and, uh, and, and all that. But the stuff with Cyril and his mom is is just so my, good. That's my favorite part of this episode. The watching out. Cyril be sad and then watching his mother just tear him into just, him. Just, oh, just so methodically. It, it, and I, I can't stress enough how much that scene between the acting, the direction, and the writing just evokes like stanley kubrick and quentin tarantino the way the the mother's diction the like her formalized sort of way of speech it's sort of almost like the the speech of a character in a in a in a novel from the like 30s or something like that or or even further back you know she has a very formal way of speaking speaking to him but at the same time she's like everything has knives attached to it and 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 but she's charming too in her own way you know she's just like a very power you know powerful personality she has the best way of just like i sound like i'm really nice but i'm actually just ripping you to shreds and but i'm doing it out of love don't you uh know like i'm just loving you to to submission and there's there's little details like they have a robot and it's turned off and just sitting in the corner. I you know what I'm I'm gonna slide in here because I do have a note that I love the contrast between Edie and Marva because you show yeah. it shows how the two moms shape their sons in completely different ways. Cyril and Cassian, um, Cyril has to earn his mother's love. Cassian has his mother's love unconditionally despite despite his flaws. And that that is so telling, especially when these two characters are on different paths. Or they're, they're, you know, we talked about their foils and like the two sides of the same coin, but they're going in two different ways, uh, being radicalized in two different ways. But um, it's such an interesting contrast of like well, Marva's unconditional love versus Edie making Cyril 
prove his love. See, I, I yeah, well, that, that's that, uh, that's a better way of putting it is making him prove his love because she's her love is like it's conditional, but with like that sort of parenting, it's like it's sort of like a fake conditional because it's always it's a dangled carrot, you know. Exactly, because he points that's it out, why he was he's like crazy. Because he was like, you could have came to me. And she was like, oh, no, I would never have gone to that shithole. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, you know, and there's a lot of shots of his of his eyes when she'll say things and you'll see his eyes dart over to her and stuff as she's just sticking pins in. And uh, just such a great testament to to the, the writing in this episode episode i mean the, the, and the way the scene is set up the way that it's composed where you have this a very s- composed and and very stanley kubrick frame of her and him sitting you, and you know you get to study like her shoes and the way she you know positions herself and their their body language and it's and it, it, it's very simple, but everything is giving you cues and and every line is complete is in, incredibly meaningful. And the acting even seems kind of stilted, but like a Kubrick film, it is it's stilted because they're having an awkward scene. And it, it, that just that just magnifies it. I, I the, like this, like the, the scenes with him and his mom are some of my favorite scenes in these in in these shows. They're just they're so oh, well yeah. done. She's such a great she's such a great, you know, character, actress, personality. And and she yeah, she just she just dives into that role. I, and, I uh, do want to throw out a fun thing that before the show, before this episode aired, um, Evie's actress said that she was a beauty pageant mom from hell. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, that's such a good description of her. And, and, you know, and the way like, and, and, you know, the way there's just this whole tapestry. Cause she's not like the stereotypical portrayal of a mom like that, because they really, in this short period of time, they, they show that she's also sort of a conspirator with him because she's telling she's just like, look, you know, it, like this is perfect timing because I asked him and it was like a lot longer than he thought I'd ask. So he was very happy. You know, he's happy that I'm not like eager to like call it a favor that I'm only doing, you know. Can just- I tell you my Uncle Harlow theory? Sure. I don't think Uncle Harlow is a blood member of their family. I think he's a mafia mob, mob boss. Could be, could be. Because the family favor, I think it's a crime family. I think Edie comes from a crime family. And maybe that's how Cyril got his nice cushy jobs. Because, like, he also, but, but maybe not. Maybe that's why Cyril left. But well, Uncle Harlow could wait, 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 also wait, wait. have been, like, her boyfriend at some time. So that is, that's what he's called. <laughs> but it, um, because Edie specifically says Uncle Harlow didn't like that you became a police officer. And didn't think that it was your calling. And Cyril loves order and rules and justice so much like i could see him like leaving to go to the edges of space to get away from a mob family to become a police officer uh but like that's my temporal hat theory is he's not a blood relative he's a mafia member and he's a mob boss because yeah could be it's because very Cyril, good chance we'll never know we may never see Edie again unfortunately 
Cyril specifically says, you're assuming that Harlow will remember you. Why would Harlow forget his blood relatives? But that was sort of, that was like a tease. That was, that was a tease. Cause she's just like, Oh, come on. You know? And she sort of laughs and she's, uh, I think she said something like you're teasing me or something, you know, cause yeah, that's him. Just like, yeah. That, just, yeah. just giving, just giving her a little jab back and her just like going, whatever, dude. Yeah. I, I just, I think I, that's my I, crazy tin foil hat. I love, I love the shot of him in his room. Just sitting there in his room, just like, ah, here I am in my room. I hate it. I hate it in my room. So I, I actually find that that that, that series room. I do I do find that interesting because of where he lives in Coruscant, that like 30 seconds of sun is the only time he gets to see sun. Yeah. Because of where a, the levels are of Coruscant and where sit, he lives. And he knows and he knows it's his childhood room, so he's probably spent his life, you know enjoying that moment of his Coruscant son, his, you know, hey, that much sun is expensive here in Coruscant. You better enjoy it. You yeah, because you get to, like, you know, further down where, like, Trace and Rafa live, they don't get to see the sun, ever. There are people who live on Coruscant their entire lives and never see the sun because they just live so far down and they don't move up fast enough. Like, yeah. Here's, like a, that, here's a story that, for a future... strip of sun. Um, Star Wars cartoon, short cartoon... Are a bunch of people who, over the years, they sneak onto buildings and they keep attaching mirrors onto the buildings until they can shine a beam of sunlight into the <laughs> place down at the lower levels of course. That would be really sweet and sad and wonderful. And I kind of, oh, I love that they, idea. They open, they open up a club with like a tree in the middle of it or something, you know, or... I love that idea. And they have it like set up so it shoots different sunbeams throughout the day. Yeah, well, just as, as, as the years go by, as the years go by, like they keep getting different angles so they can keep the sun, you know, the sunlight. Is that's what I'm saying. Possible. They put them up in different places. So depending yeah. on where the sun is, there's always sun coming in from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah! Someone write that. That's sweet. all right, Disney. Was... It's you got it for free. You can have it for free. You Hire us. Free. No. <laughs> that one's free. The first one's free. Um, I have actually. That's only... all. That's all I got. So yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, wow! I surprised you don't have more about like Nimic <laughs> or any of that. Uh Nimic's still doing his thing. Like he, he's. He is the most like stereotypical character in all of Andor. Like his little speech where he like starts giving his manic, you know, and they can't process, you know, too fast before you even know what's going on, and blah blah blah. And then you don't want to. Okay, we'll finish this later. You know, that's that's it's it's right out of the right out of the guidebook of like they and they were like, what about Nemec? And they're just like, he's a true believer. There, but still like. Man, he's he's the weak link because, like, he's just he's young and inexperienced, you know, and idealistic, you know, and they're they're all hardcore. Although he he does do fairly well, and but he doesn't do very well for himself, but he does okay in the in the execution of the event. But yeah, 
but yeah, there, there's that, you know, they, they just, they just built a little bit on what they started last time with Nemec, you know, and his, I, I don't really have much to say about him because it's like his, his arc and his trope and his character are pretty much on the nose. You know, you can pretty much tell where it's going to go <laughs> and what, yep. how it's going to play out. And I know? think that's the point. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It so, obviously is, since he's the only one that's kind of like that in this whole thing. There's a reason. There's got to be a reason for it because there's really nothing in. He's the especially only character on sec- so on the nose. He's the yeah. only really on the nose character. On the second viewing, especially with episodes like this, where you know how things play out in the future, you know, and you see every every little every bit of dialogue and every character and everything that happens in this you know, script wise is all tied. It, it all has meaning and it all connects and it all, you know, it, it all means something. And so like it, to, to have one character that's so like, you know, on the nose trope, it's, they did it. They, it, I have to think they did it for a reason. Well, since we're on uh, Nimic, I have two different se- I have a section in these notes called Nimic truths. Okay, <laughs> and it just says big letters, Nimit truths, um, and just things that he's just pointing out that is just so that rings so true in our real world. Like, um, first of all, like he goes into the, like the reliance of technology because older, like my Nokia phone from like the early two thousands still functions and it's so sure. good. My fucking iPhone is dying in a much shorter amount of time and like so it is true that we have like these corporations like didn't apple recently go to court because they purposely made their batteries to fail so you have to buy new products oh yeah they do a lot of stuff like that that yeah they they like if you don't if you're slow to update and stuff they will they will uh purposely slow down slow down your phone slow down your phone and make it make it use up the battery faster and stuff like yeah 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 there's all kinds of yeah sure so so that's one like the the fact that we're held hostage by like technological capitalism but if we learn how to use old technology and like savor that and stuff like that it would be better in the long run so that's one mimic truth um the pace of repression outstrips our ability to understand it that just is the, the the Trump presidency in a nutshell. <laughs> That's every, every 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 fascist takeover is is always like that. It's yeah, you can't keep you can't keep up with it. So you yeah. know you're having Scandal enough trouble keeping up with daily life to keep up with all the other stuff. Yep. Yep, yep. There's just so much scandal after scandal after scandal, more bullshit on top of it that you can't focus on all of it at once. It's easier to hide behind forty atrocities than a single incident. So and hey, it's time to go to work. Because I owe a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's Nimic Truth number two. And Nimic talks about the essential rights, something that we have lost in America with stuff like healthcare and living wage, but we are being held hostage by capitalism. Um, and that's true. Like we have these essential rights that we have lost as humans because of the money that big corporations make and stuff like that. Like we have an essential right to like food and healthcare and living wages. And these are things that we have lost because of the way our society is structured and it sucks. So that, that was Nimic truth. Number three, <laughs> more Nimic truths later, but I, I did want to jot those down because like 
these are very nice little nutshell things, like like nutshell bite-sized things that are presented in the episode. But oh, here's are... my Nemec note. Oh, Nemec, I will say Nemec I... reminds me a lot in the way he looks and and acts. Although my Nemec was a little more sophisticated, it was a little older. Like, but of my friend Jason Nemec, who was a, a bandmate of mine, and is his last name really Nemec? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we, we met him because we used to throw parties with bands in our apartment every two weeks, when uh, we lived in this one campus apartment complex, and then when we all either graduated or moved moved away. We decided to stop in to see who moved into our apartment, and they had already started having parties every two weeks because people just showed up there, and they had a band and everything. And then we ended up the 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 one of the guys who lived there joined our band, and then we started playing there. <laughs> huh. Yeah, and he was living there, living there with his girlfriend, and they are now married and have I think two kids. Oh, and dynamic babies. Yep, yep. And he and he's he's grown a beard and has some white hairs. His his wife looks almost exactly the same as she did, and she looked, she just looked young and spring fresh. But they they were like a young spring fresh, happy, healthy couple, you know. And she looks, she just looks exactly the same. I just saw her like a year ago, a year or two ago, just pre actually more pre just pre. COVID and uh yeah but anyway yeah I, I I actually I actually uh know a Nemec but the, there's there so now I have that to say about Nemec but I've used up all my Nemec talk Aww. sorry no no you're fine you're fine that's interesting uh that you have a friend named Nemec there was actually a Nemec in Black well, Bad Batch Jason but Jason yeah. Nemec but yeah. But there's also um in Bad Batch there's a Nimic. Um one of the clones that Echoes fights with with like Rex's network. And I do wonder if that was on purpose, even though they're spelled differently. Um I do wonder if that was on purpose or co- coincidence. Uh let's go through the rest of my notes. I can't remember if I told you this because the blue milk reminded me. Did I tell you that our friends at Pink Milk Podcast are actually become canon canon? They're in the no. canon now. Did I no. tell I didn't? So um, in, San- in Santa Staros number one, um, which is written by Justina Ireland, Justina Ireland is a friend of the show and she's one of like the main Star Wars writers and they had like interviewed her and stuff like that. So in the comic issue, Santa Staros number one, um, they come across pink milk as the drink. So she made uh, pink milk uh, canon in this honor of our friends over at Pink Milk Podcast. Uh, oh, why not Michael- us? Isn't that I'm, cool? I'm happy for them. Yeah, it was really cool. Because at first I thought Brian was kidding, and then I saw the panel and I was like, oh fuck. Because <laughs> you know, like sometimes he jokes like when we're gonna be canon one day, and he's like, We're canon, and I was like, Wow. <laughs> so I just thought that was cool. I wanted to share that. Um the acts I so I'm kind of just reading I wrote these notes a week ago, so bear with I me. I want to see someone go to a bar in a comic and order a dirty Yoda. I want to order a dirty Yoda and see what the bartender comes up with. Yeah, exactly. That'd be fun. Better be green. It's uh, green, it's green. It's green with like Oreos crumbled on top. It's green mint with Oreos chocolate. Oh, I was chocolate thinking. Um, oh, what's that green? There's there's a green like some sort of sour apple green something. 
Yeah, something that glows under a black light, maybe. Yeah. Um, I wrote the X forgets, but the tree rem- remembers is such a good piece of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um, so a, a little bit, bit about Mon Mothma's family stuff. The detail. I, I love the small detail about Mon Mothma that even though she knows, she knows that her driver is an ISB spy. Mon Mothma still remembers that his name is Chloris and gives him that respect. And the reason this sticks out to me is that is the best way to get someone on your side instead Amen. of shoving okay. po- like rhetoric down in some down on somebody's throat. Okay, okay, yeah, you picked up on the same thing because I saw that and she was like, you know, and but her husband remembered his name and she was just like, oh, he remembered his name, which was like two levels of like. Oh, that how unusual for you to remember na- his name. And then also at the same time, a little implication that like, yeah, maybe you uh, maybe he's running with your maybe, you know, he's running with your buddies or something. You know, it was it yeah. was, was there were layers to that. But yeah, yeah, she was to- like she's a politician. She knows, OK, this guy's a spy. But like, yeah, if I if I treat him like, you know, she is she she's also vulnerable and she also would like him and her to have a human relationship so it might work out into her you know that might help her out someday you know yeah if, if exactly. he thinks of her as a human being and he, you know because might, she thinks of him as a human being he might not run off to join the rebellion but he might hesitate to turn her in if she's very kind to him he might look the other way yeah and and she's not going to treat him how the empire would treat him she's going to treat him as a person and like that is the best way to get somebody on your side instead of just shoving like rhetoric down someone's throat um i i wrote religious rhetoric because um that's that's most of my experience like uh where people i don't trust christians that come at me with bible verses i trust christians who are just fucking good people and who treat me with respect well you see them you see them acting out you see them living by their principles and then exactly they're not not posturing about it they just do it you know they just work it into their life they make it their life you know and they don't tell you about it they don't parade around about it they just live their life like that and that and that always makes what maybe a hundred times as much more of an impression than someone that can quote bible verses or tells you how bad everybody else is or how good they are yeah yeah so that that was something that stuck out to me amen like that's the best way to inspire people to your cause is just living it and and not treating chloris as the empire would treat him and so i kind of actually hope that like in season two chloris like comes back around if not just being like i still work with the isb but i'm gonna look away on this one thing yeah yeah so um i said this last week but i'm gonna say it again i will defend lita mothma until until i die she like so many people shat on her as a character and i'm like her horrible crime is she's a teenage girl who how is she acting any differently than any teenager and you can see you and can her mom see Mon Mothma a... also going like, I know that, she, you know, she's she's sick and I raise a smart kid because her kid's like, there's one point where, you know, she just totally, you know, she's like, I didn't start this conversation. And you see the dad look over just like, got you there. <laughs> and she did. She had her right. You know, so she's got. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's it's. 
I mean, Mon Mothma is a character you're following. So when, like, I don't know, it's just too simplistic a reaction to be like, well, there's tension between these two characters. I got to pick a side and Mon Mothma is the good guy in this. You know, and, and, I, her, and, and her daughter reason- could her daughter could be endangering this. So God, it was it's like all the it was like the 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 character of the wife in Breaking Bad who is reacting like any normal human being would when you're if you were married to a psychopath, sociopath, but that people hated her. The wife in uh, The Walking Dead hated her. And she was reacting like any sane person would to the situation. In, right. Because in that, and, and I think that's what it gets. Because like we as the audience knows that Mon Mothma is a future leader of the rebellion and everything she's doing is good. Leader, the character does not know this, and all she sees is her mother using her yeah. as a political tool. And, and people, all she, don't, people all get she mad at her because she's at odds with Mon Mothma. But like any daughter would be at odds with Mon Mothma. She's being a crappy mom. She's a politician mom that is the like she's a st- she's a crappy mom. Yeah, <laughs> her life yes. is not with her. Fa- her life is not her family. It's her, it's her politics. And even though she's a, a leader of the rebellion, she's also a politician. You yeah. know, there's part of her that's fueled by loving. She has her principles, but there's also a part of her that is, you know, has by survival and by the world she's been brought up in. And especially her society seems very like structured and and political. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's not yeah. going to be a good mom. She's married to her her politics. Exactly, and it's but I do like these scenes because it shows what she has to give up for the rebellion. Yeah. You know, she has to give up her family's happiness. And I, I'm going to come back to this because I have some thoughts about Perrin later in the episode. But yeah, that's all I have for Act One. Did you have anything else? I do not. Mm. Act Two. Act two. It is time to start training Clemson. And Terraman is just like, all right, this valley, we chose it for a reason. The huts is how far we're going to be marching to here. Pretend there's a base right there. Use your mental magic. Make it all happen. It's, yeah. And Clemson is like, okay, I got it. Also, what are we doing with Lieutenant Gorn? And then we get to see the Lieutenant Gorn side of things. So Gorin walks outside and he goes down to the temple where the Aldanis will do their thing tomorrow. And he's like, guys, why is it trashed? Why are you using it for target practice? We have to have a good relationship with the Aldanis for like 30 more days before we go and wreck their planet. What the fuck? And the, the, uh, all the soldiers are like, we're sorry, Lieutenant Gorn. And then he's all mad because internally he hates it because he loves the Aldanis and this all sucks and fuck the Empire. And then we uh, hop back to Ferrix, of all people. And there's Blevin. And Blevin is watching the people of Ferrix clean up the streets of Cyril's disaster. And they're all scooping it up, and, and Blevin's just like, Tisk, tisk. I'm not helping. I would get my nice coat wet or dirty if I try to help. And Commander Tigo walks outside, and he's just like, Hello, Blevin. And he's like, Hello, Tigo. And Blevin's like, I want to be a prefect. And Blevin's like, I don't give a fuck. Is the hotel ready? Because they are taking over the hotel on Ferrix. And that's going to be their base of operation. And Tigo's like, okay. And Blevin's like, I'm going back to Coruscant. And he flies away. (laughs) On his little ship, I guess. We go back to the Aldani crew. And 
as they're still doing more training, they're marching about, and Cassian's like, yeah, I'm getting this marching things down. But he's like, hey, what are the lesbians doing in all this? And they're like, don't worry about it. They're doing lesbian things. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, don't worry about it. They're doing things. It's fine. We don't ask. And if you hear things at night, you don't say anything. Because, yeah. And he's like, okay. Well, Skane should stand on the other side. And they all look at Cassian like, I'm sorry, you've been here for 12 hours. You don't get to give us orders. And he's like, all right, but Skin's left-handed and he should stand on the other side. And Skin's like, how the fuck do you know that I'm left-handed? He says with the gun in his left hand. <laughs> and Cassian just points. And they're all like, fine. They move everything around. And then, out of nowhere, the scariest TIE fighter shows up and nearly blows their fucking eardrums out skimming over them and scaring all their goats and it flies low and and Nemec is just like ha we're gonna get them from below and isn't that gonna be a big rebellion joy day and Cassian's like you need to get out more child he's like I am outside he's like okay that's fine hope you're not a virgin because you're not making it through tomorrow anyway uh, we go back to Gorn, and we find out that the Empire is planning to make more Aldani, uh, to, to I can't read my notes. The Empire is going to be tearing down more of Aldani to make it an airbase, and all the communications officer guys just like, haha, that's gonna be great because they smell, right, sir? sir? And Gorn is like, haha, get back to work and fuck you, dude. And he goes back to work. And so, the Aldani group begins to pack up their stuff, because they gotta get ready to go. And then Cassie and Skin, Skin yell at each other more. Yell at each other more. Wow. Guys, I'm running on very little sleep. Bear with me. <laughs> Cassie and Skin yell at each other. And then we have to go back to the ISP. And there's Dedra. And Dedra is there with her assistant, Hirt. And Hirt is all just like, Ma'am, we have to find some rebel mischief. And she's like, How? It's all too random. And he's like, I know. It's too random to be random. And she's just like, oh, it's so late here. You should go home. I am playing up this trope so people like me and they think that I'm an underdog. And he's doing, and, she, and he's just like, you're doing very well, sir. And she's like, I know. I'm going to get to be a full fascist in four more episodes. And, she, and he's all like, I believe in you. You want to do two more of these as we keep looking for those rebels? And she's like, yeah, hurt. Let's go. And then they continue working through the night. And she like, pops some pills. Sadly, though, it is time for the Rebels to move on out. And they watch poor Nimic's model burn. And the Rebels share a drink with Cassian to let him know that he is, like, you know, kind of welcomed. And they toast to the Rebellion. And then they dress up like Aldani residents. And they start marching off to start their ice, their heist. And the most important thing is... The goats are freed, which are very important. End of act two. <laughs> Gotta free the goats. No, no, seriously, I have a note about that. I'm so glad they showed us that, that the goats were free and the and not trapped in the pen. If they were trapped in the pen and they just walk away, I would have been very upset. Like, I would have been like, someone go back and free the goats. Free the goats. Let them out. <laughs> go get the I goats. Have I have, when, when I do have stress dreams, that's what my stress dreams are. Forgotten pet dreams. Mm -hmm. Which I hear is a part is a is just a type of um, stress dream. I don't have, I haven't had one in years. But when I do, it's always like 
going back to a house I used to live in and just like, oh my God, that's right. I had a guinea pig. I, oh my God, I, I just left it here and like finding it like it. It's all like eh. <laughs> barely alive and going like, oh my God, how could I have forgotten this living thing? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to like shorten up a joke, but this is similar to a, a, a joke I've seen about romance novels, about how it bothers or, or, or like romance fanfics more, more specifically about how you'll have two characters cooking and one will have like a flame on the stove another character will come over and they'll start getting frisky and then they'll be like oh and then they go upstairs and they forget to turn the stove off <laughs> and then that is, it's a really stressful scene because then you're like why are you fucking go turn out the stove <laughs> so make sure so you realize you're gonna die right right and so, um, yeah, so writers, remember to turn off the stove if you're about to write a romance or your characters are about to walk away and you're, they're cooking because it's stressful. But, yeah, I'm so happy the goats are free. That's the most important part of all of this. The goats are fine. So, all anyway, right. I don't think I have any big notes. I, this seems a lot, just a lot of small notes. So. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> mine too. The guy who just asked if he can be prefect, that's just some just. I love that. Beautiful little imperial touch. He's just, uh, everybody's looking for, you know, he's like, I know, you know, I just, I know I don't get any more money, but, but you know. It's, it's that chance to snag that little sliver of power. Mm-hmm. And I like that Blevin doesn't give a fuck. He's high enough in the ladder. He's like, sure, if you want to scrape above, like, you're, you're lo- lower than me, men. If that's, go if ahead. that's the carrot I got to dangle, sure. Yeah, yeah. Why not, you know. Why the fuck ever? And of course, it's like the most important thing in that guy's world too. It's just—it's just a nice little touch. It just bing bing goes by. Um, Deidre's lackey here, man. He's got some super. T- just the shape of his head. He's got Tarkin head. His no, the shape of his head. He he's does got the, look the like hair a young Tarkin. Too. I've thought that before. That he looks like he could play a young Peter Cushing. Like I, I have thought that before. He's got the hairstyle and everything. And they're just sit, hanging out, taking speed together. I was okay, so I do have a note about that because I that that's what you took it as with speed. Oh yeah, because one thousand percent. That back to the Nazis. That all the Nazis were on speed, and they gave out. Actually, they gave it out to American airmen and and people who had to be on the ground for long periods of time. You, in your mess pack, you would have little packets with speed pills, methamphetamine pills in them. And the Germans, the German troops had them and the German, in the German hierarchy were, were the German hierarchy were like injecting it and shit, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody was doing speed because that's the way to get a, also to get ahead, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very, uh, you know, and I'm sure, like, the pills were probably pretty much like taking Adderall, you know, were probably like a jazzed up Adderall. But yeah, that's what I took it as. And, you know, the, the, both of them had the black circles under their eyes. Of course, they always do these, those characters sort of always do. It's kind of their characters. But yeah, yeah. So that, that always, that stuck out to me because, as, as well, because we don't normally see a Star Wars character taking a pill. Because they usually have like you know like Bacta or like injections yeah. or like or like like what looks like fancy EpiPens, but we never seen like I can't remember ever a time in Star Wars of seeing a pill. Because that would ever. be even in space age times, 
you know, having a whole mechanism to inject yourself with something. No, this is this is ground level stuff. So it would only be practical to hand out pills, you know? Yeah. But I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I definitely noted it too because because it did stick out to me because because we never see a debtor do it again. And it's the only time we ever see her take a pill. Um, mm-hmm. Because when the episode first aired, I remember thinking, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if we're going to see her like, does she have like a medical thing and she has to take it constantly? Or is this <laughs> like, what's going on? And I'm like, no, we never no, see it No, they're again. talking about staying up all night. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'll do all my short notes and then my sort of long note. I loved all the... Um, <clears throat> Stay off my lady clam uh, scenes in this. Oh, with Val and Santa? Yeah, because I think Cla- I, at first I thought she does. Like, she does. She gets very um like like dress herself clam. Don't look at Santa. Mm-hmm. She's watching <laughs> she all that. the. She's watching all the time, and there's a little chem. There there might be a little chemistry. Clem either Clem's playing it to to bother her or or he or he actually is sort of like hmm. it is established that cassian is a little bit of a womanizer yeah yeah he's sort of he yeah. likes ladies and he's sort of like gonna be like hey i i know i look like paul mccartney i'm gonna use that a mystery man who looks like paul mccartney um i like the uh, everyone has their own rebellion line mm-hmm. i i noted that one too I, I think that's um, I, I think that gives a lot of um, my brain to stop. Yes, it's a nice line. Oh, um, I'm trying. Sorry, I'm trying to find out. Did I note that later? I don't remember. Well, no, that's it. because Clem's going to learn that next dark. <laughs> yeah. Clem gets his oh, own. that's what it is. Because it, it covers a good swath of also why things are a bit disorganized in this time for the rebellion um because one of the things i like about these two aldani episodes being this one and the last one is it shows how slapped together the rebellion is on like bubblegum duct tape and a well mm-hmm. and a good wish and well wishing whatever because, we can grab out of the grab out of the air in front of us yeah because there's that whole thing where they don't know how to get the train off the line and they're just like and that's their escape ship and Cassian's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, they have to swallow their pride and be just like, yep, you're driving it. You know, they're just, yeah. they had, they all had to swallow their pride. Nobody's going to bitch about her handing over the authority there because they all were just like, oh, okay, <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, but then you also start getting like, everybody has their own rebellion. You get into things like Saul Guerrero. You know, he's having his own version of his rebellion, which is like the craziest extreme versus... Mon Mothma. So I, I do like how it does encompass how different the rebellion is and how they're not uni- like, um, what's the word? I keep wanting to say unionized, but that's not the word. Organized. <laughs> Organized. Thank you. Um, Same thing. Same thing. Um, yeah. Um, but like, it's kind of a little ironic coming from that character as we find out in the next episode. And also with like, he might have made up his his why he's in the rebellion story. It could be bullshit, you know. I uh, I, I have a skiing note in Act Three, so yeah, yeah. I, I will be getting to it. So uh, my last note will probably you probably have a note on this too, so it'll probably segue right into to your notes. But uh, yeah, another one of my favorite parts of all of Andor shot just shots is the when they get buzzed by the Tie Fighter. Yes. And, a because just on a special effects level, 
this is not an a special effects set piece show and so when something like that it happens i didn't even think of it as a special effect it felt like it felt very it was very naturalistic and realistic and it showed just how terrifying and loud and how they're meant to be you know terrifying and loud and how it was just buzzing them and they knew that like ah, the the fire the pilot's just flying around on his way home but like we we just look like to a, fuck with them yeah he could he could just choose to there's no consequences if he just chooses to strafe the hell out of us as he flies by you know just for the hell of it you know just to terrorize us so, so can i slide in very, here and, and well i was going to say and the all, all i really have left to that is it sort of you know it sort of is a uh, an analog to the modern jet fighter to whatever country is is strafing another country with jets you know and you're you're outside and all of a sudden you hear a jet coming and flies overhead and it's like it's that same sort of just like super loud sound and it and it holds your and you know in those seconds your life could be just like gone in flames you know and there's no control about it yeah it's just a very nice scene and um the the scene kind of had a, a very similar scene had more details in the book Lost Stars. Um, Thane Cairo, who is a person who's imperial who defects to the rebels, one thing that he talks about is once he got out of the academy, some of his first assignments was just to fly low over vill- uh, over villages to purposely terrify people. Yeah, that that was what he would do for eight hours, just fly yep. low over people. Yeah, that's what that, the empire well, that, had to do. Is- that is that is a a method that that I mean it's being used in the Ukraine. We've used it in in our Middle East adventures. You know anybody who's mm-hmm. using jet fighters. That's one of the ways that you use them is you you fly low overhead and it terrorizes. I used to, I grew up near a army base that that had jet fighters trained and they would fly over your. They wouldn't they wouldn't buzz you like. <laughs> But when you went on the open when open house day, when they would have like shows and stuff, they would purposely buzz you like an air show and stuff. And it's exciting in an air show, but it's like horrifying if you picture it as like they're they're bombing. You know, they come by. They might be just coming through and doing their weekly weekly random bombing of your village. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything else? Nope, that's it. That's it for me. All right. Um. One line from um, right at the beginning when Lieutenant Gorn is coming down to like the little Aldani shrine, and he's just like, "Where are the guards?" And they're like, "Hey, he's up because the com- commander's wife wanted them to move furniture." Yeah, I love yep. that line. No, that's the. I mean, that stuff happens. In, in I know, but it's just so funny because that that just that's the says so much about the empire in a nutshell. Is and that. it's also a it's also a level of the empire that we've never seen before so it's fun to see it you know yeah we don't often have like and it tells you it tells you things about it It tells you it's almost like the brit like when the when the brits had their empire you know and the 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 general would travel around with his whole family you know he would set up his whole family and they would live like really nicely it's sort of like well and like even like captain doza in in resistance yeah and it also 
It also says, like, if, if Gorn was actually a bad guy, he'd actually probably be a hard-ass. Because all the the people here at the Aldani base, and it, it shows, like, why I, Aldani was chosen. Because everyone's kind of, like, lackadaisical here. Gorn would be the hard-ass, probably. He's um, playing a hard-ass, too. He is playing a hard-ass. Yeah, that's why I was, like, if he was actually evil. Because uh, I'll get to this, I think, in Act 3. Like, him purposely playing a hard-ass is how he gets shit done at the base. He gets um, it, he gets it done and he also like deflects deflects any kind of blame from himself too with and, it. And and he does his own form of like carrot dangling because he knows it's how the yeah. empire works. Like, oh, you want to see the eye tomorrow? Then you better get this mess cleaned up and like don't come back. But um it, yeah, I just... it, and and in the end in the end when it all plays out it would look like he was trying to have a lot of troops there and you know and had to and basically like his the this and you know he played it out perfectly because his subordinates were like please please can't we have you know go look at the lights and he was like okay blah 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 so like now it looks like it's all on his men <laughs> for wanting to not have a full detail there, you know, and he mm-hmm. just had he just got like sort of like pressured into it because of of you know because of soldier camaraderie, yeah, yeah. So it's I really like like Gorn's only between because he's barely in the last episode. He kind of just show up and he's just like, what's yeah. happening? Um, but this episode and next episode, like I really love. They really what flesh they him out. Yeah. Very fast. Like it's really good economic writing. Like every little thing has weight. Like and and especially I, I can't remember where I note this, but like when you find out about his past uh, of having an Aldani lover. It has so much weight to, like, last episode. His little things with this episode, like, when he's looking out over the fields and, like, the communications guy is just like, is it true they're going to destroy it? The communications guy is behind him, so we can see Gorn's face because he's up close, and there's so much pain there. There's so much pain. And then the communication guy is just like, huh, at least we don't have to smell Aldani's anymore. And when you know that, like, he's talking about his lover that's gone... It's just oh, there's so much subtle acting with Gordon's actor. Um, it's so good, and I just I love everything they do with Gordon in like such a short amount of time. I wish he survived, <laughs> but he would want to probably be dead on Aldani. Um, I have a most of my notes are small for this act. Um, the people of Ferrex are the one to clean up Cyril's mess in the streets, but the Empire couldn't be bothered to do so. Yep. Of course. Yep. Uh, there's just some really good cinematography, like cutting between like the Imperials marching to Cass Cassian training and marching. Like there's some just some good little segues between scenes. Um what did I write here? Oh, okay. So this is about Detra and Hurt. So I, I was talking about how last week how they take story tropes with Dedra to turn them on their head. So, like, we're in the phase of Dedra's story where we want to root for her because she is, like, a woman in a man's world and, like, we want her to see succeed and we want her to best Blevin and stuff yeah. like that. And and, for, and that's, like, so they can um, turn, twist it later and be like, oh, no, she's actually a villain. Oh, fuck. Um, they do it again in this episode, especially because, like, she's the one... That they, they frame Dedra in the scene of, like, caring for her assistant. Because she looks up and she's like, oh my god, it's so late. You should go home. Like, they they frame it her as very caring towards Hurt. And, like, their little camaraderie 
um, is really great. But like, we know what a monster that Dedra becomes. But stuff, little stuff like this, we're still in the phase of rooting for her, and like hurts rooting for her too. And I really like their camaraderie for like villain and lackeys. They're a very good villain and lackey, but it's doing it in a way that is structuring this trope to make us root for her more because we're just like, oh, she cares for him. But later on, she's going to be torturing Bix, you know? Um, and I just want to throw out, I still ship her and Hurt. I think they're a really cute couple. But I, I find that I just, I love how they use tropes with Dedra. So later on, it can have a bigger impact of just being like, oh, God, she's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. And it, I mean, they, they know if you're following someone's story, you'll tend to sort of like sympathize with them. And I think also because and that happens this, in life too. By this point in Star Wars, us deep diving fans who've been watching Star Wars for a while, we know redemption is a thing. And this early on, I remember thinking, oh, is she the callous of the show? Right. Is she going to be the one that's going to be like, oh, fuck, this place sucks. I'm going to defect to the rebels. And no, no, no she just this, this show isn't even down. about that at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, it's it's we have such an expectation with Star Wars for redemption that evil right. characters, except for Palpatine, can be redeemed. We've seen it with like Vader's and Ben Solo's. Yeah. Th those Calluses. kinds of redemption stories are for later on in the rebellion, you know? Yeah. So. But it's still, like, plans in your head that, like, maybe oh, yeah. that could be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did I write here? The Dedra's whole thing also... Oh, yeah, the, so... I, I do like how Dedra needing hard proof is a sign of the Empire's hubris. Because they don't think that a bunch of ragtag individuals could th overthrow them. Which is why... But she's right. Right. She is right that there is an organized rebellion going on, but she has to have physical fucking proof to convince others that she needs more men and power to do so. And but but it, like the empire just cannot conceive well, even of anyone they, coming together. Yeah, even if they believe her, they can't. They they you know she had like to act on that stuff without proof is like. You know, that's why she and Cyril are crazy people, because the other ones are like that. They, they, they might hear that and be like, you know what? I that's totally right. But they're like, you know, I can't approach anybody. I, I can't approach my, you know, I'm not going to go out on a limb on it, you know. So because mm -hmm. uh, since nobody will ever want to go out on a limb about anything in the empire, because you're all trying to fight upward. You know, you, you have to, yeah, you have to have some sort of like, you have to have some sort of paper trail proving yourself so that everybody can cover their ass. Oh, what yeah. a sucky life to live. I know. And the only other note I have is RIP Nimic's really awesome model. It is satisfying watching it burn, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Little, not like not uh, like satisfying as like shadowing, <laughs> like like not satisfying in a way of just like ooh, it's like their plans falling apart. Like, have you ever just like put something in a fire because you want to watch it burn because it has like a cool texture or something? Well, also also like it, it's it, it sort of symbolizes what that it's 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 almost like voodoo or something. You know, they're 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 symbol. It's a symbol of their 
plan and it's also a little foreshadowing to the future but it's like yeah you you burn it in effigy you 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 know they're 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 visualizing their their whole thing and you know they're getting rid of the evidence too but it's just yeah it's a great visual you know idea also it's just fun to put things in fire to like watch the different textures burn yeah yeah, like that—that's what I mean. Why it's fire. fire's good. Fire. It does. It does. Like, like when the little models, like grass, is like curling, like under as it's like it's like curling as it burns. Oh, it's so satisfying to watch. Okay. <laughs> so, All right, keep the matches away from hope. I I am a fire bug. I love camping just to play with a fire. I always when I go camping, I will find You're a long stick. Well, no, I will find a long stick, and it is my fire stick. And all I will do is burn the tip, and then put it out, and burn the tip, and put it out, and do it over the course of a weekend until I finally throw it in the fire. I love yeah. doing it. And I'll, like, make, like, little smoke signals with it. I love it. Yeah. Do you cook marshmallows with it, too? So there's the marshmallow stick, and, like, this okay. is, like, a thick stick, like a branch. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, like a poker stick, yeah. Yeah, like a big old poker stick, but this one you purposely burn. Or yeah. just slowly over the course and you use it to like poke other sticks and like you can write on the logs as they burn yep. like with chalk so yeah it's a purpose per burning stick anyway are you ready to wrap a puppy in let's, prep let's burn this model down no we're not burning puppies <laughs> i know we're burning a model up goats are free it's time to go let's, you ready let's burn the model and set the goats free free be free goats Man. They'll be fine. Yeah, goats are made for that. They, they just have to eat grass and climb hills. Thank you for freeing us, Tony Gilroy. That's. I, I would. I would love. I need more sleep. I would. I would love to have like they. I would to love to have a Star Wars goat man and with those goats just being like eh, talking to him, going like, "Oh my god, oh wow." Do you think that the goats like look at the goats and they're just like ew? Or no, are, they're they're just like us when, when we look at monkeys. Where we're like, Whoa. I was just about to say, yeah, it's like the one degree except of separation. The, except the goats are actually those those goats are domesticated. Like like we are all like, ooh, monkeys are cool, but you can't hang out with monkeys unless you're a trained monkey person, really, because mm -hmm. monkeys will shit on you and throw shit on you, or they'll rip your face off or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. But like, yeah, if you're a goat man and you might, you'd be like, oh my God, they're the cutest things in the world. And you could pet them and stuff and they would probably be really friendly. Like goats are the cutest thing in the world. I do love goats. I do love a good goat. They're I cute. I would it. say they're the cutest thing in the world as long as I've got Bernice hanging out here. I am. I like a good goat. I, I like just... goats. I like goats too. I also eat goats though too, so. I, I have a soft spot in my belly for, for goats, too. It's yummy. I do love a good gyro. With goat I, meat. I, oh. I, like, I like curried Jamaican goat. It's my mm. favorite goat. Mm. Mm. Oh, goat. Anyway, they're free, though. They're, they're running All away. Right. Act three. Act three. <laughs> Act free. We are back with Sad Boy, Cyril. And Edie is just like, so I talked to Uncle Harlow and he said that you sucked as a police officer. I'm trying so hard not to slip into like a stereotypical Jewish voice <laughs> because I hear that with my stepmom where she, 
she has her moments of just like, help, mama, mama. I'm <laughs> trying not to slip into that. Um, and Edie is like, Uncle Harlow is going to get you a shiny new job, Cyril. And Cyril's like, where? And she's like, I don't know. He's got to think about it because I had to throw you under the bus. I had to tell him how much you sucked at your life and how you're very regretful for bringing shame to the family name and how awful you are. And he's like, Mom, fuck. God damn it. And she's like, well, that's okay because these scenes just end with us. See you next week. And so the rebels are marching across the countryside and they are going to their heist. And as they're taking a break, um, Cassian asks about Gorn and we find out that he fell in love with an old Donnie woman but then something bad happened to her and he decided to be a rebellion. To be a whole rebellion. He was a rebellion. (laughs) A whole rebellion. And speaking of Gorn, uh, he cons some soldiers into being idiots. So as he comes downstairs where the um, escape ship is, and he's like, why is this place not painted? You know what? You're not allowed to see the eye anymore. And they're like, no, sir, but morale. We want to see the eye. And he goes, okay. We'll just have a skeleton shift down here so the most people can go see the eye upstairs. And they're all like, yay! Thanks, Gorn! We love you! And he's like, okay, guys. And Gorn walks off smiling like, <laughs> fuckers. Um, anyway, they are taking a break, they being the rebels, and Skeen just comes at Cassian with a knife, and he's just like, I'm gonna get you! And Cass is like, what is happening? And he Skeen pulls off the kyber crystal chain that Luthen gave him. And Skeen's like, look, 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 look. Why is he poor and have a $30,000 thing? What the fuck? What is this? Val, what is this? And she was like, put, ta- put down the knife. <laughs> Let's talk about this. And he's like, no, no. I want the truth, Val. I have been here shitting in a hole for months. And he just shows up with money. What the fuck? And Cassian's like, yeah, I'm a mercenary. They all just kind of stare at him. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm paid to be here. This is crazy. You guys are here because you're crazy people. Nimic's running on, like, justice juice or whatever over there. I'm, I'm just here because I'm paid. What else do you want to know about me? And Nimic's little heart looks crushed. His little rebel heart looks crushed. And Skeen's just like, all right, Val, and she's like, I, I just, I have no words. He's here because we need him, and he's being paid. I knew about this the whole time, right? And she looks at Senta, and Senta gives her a lesbian death glare. And Cassian's like, that's it. Like, it's not anything big. That's it. But also, maybe you guys should admit that it's okay to be afraid. And they're like, what? You're scared, Cassian? He's like, yeah! There's seven of us breaking into a fucking garrison! It's one thing to not be scared. It's one thing to not lose fear. It's blah, blah, blah. Huh. I'm so into this Cassian that I can't talk straight. Cassian's like, look, it's okay to be afraid, but don't lose your nerve. I'm here to make sure none of you don't lose your nerve. Get your shit together. But it's okay to be scared and process those healthy emotions because what we are doing is fucking insane. And Skin's like, fine, here's your kyber crystal. Anyway... Speaking of rich things, we go back to Coruscant, where Perrin and Mon Mothma are riding in a car home from a party. And Perrin's like, hey, hey, honey, who's distant and cold from me? She's like, what is it, Perrin? He's like, what about this new foundation? Why didn't you tell me about it? She's like, why would you care? (laughs) 
it's charitable. And he's like, you know, because we're married. And I like to know what my wife does because we're married. You know what? Never mind. Isn't our driver's name Cloris? And she's like, yes, that's growth. I don't know. And he's like, hey, Cloris, drive home. So the rebels arrive at their airbase camp and they signal Gorn and Gorn's like, awesome, time to go. And Skeen's just like, hey, Cass, my brother committed suicide because of the Empire. That's all I'm going to tell you about how and why I rebel because his tree farm got destroyed. And that's all I'm going to give you for apology. And Cassian's like, I, I'm fine. Okay, cool. And then Vel and Cinda head off for their part in mission, leaving all the men behind. They absolutely fucked that night. Absolutely. Because <laughs> they, they, it was their last fucking, because there was a chance they could have died the next day. They made this part of the mission so they could fuck one last time and then move in and go kill Imperials. Because that's what lesbians do. Anyway. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> so Vel and Cinda go off to do lesbian things. And meanwhile, Cyril stares obsessively at Cassian's picture. Because he's a creep. And he has a magic secret box or something? I don't know. Uh, And we finally end the episode with Luthen on his little secret radio in the back of his shop. And above him, there are holocrons, which I'm noting because I'm going to get back to those. And he wants to get a word on Aldani. But Clea comes in and she's just like, get the fuck off that thing. You're not going to hear anything. It's late. Get off. There's nothing more we can do. And he's like, do you have your walkway bag? Maybe we should call him. Maybe we should have... I'm worried about that Andor guy. What is gonna happen? Well, there's so many loose ends. And she's like, oh god. Just, 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 just get your shit together. And shut up. And the heist is next week. The end. <laughs> Le- lesbian Death Stare should be a punk rock band. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. What about lesbian death gaze? Not G-A-Y-S. G-A-Z-E. Lesbian death gaze? I spelled G-A-Y-Z-E. Yeah, I was about to say, like, you could also go, like, uh, the pun of them being the gaze. Yep. (laughs) There's a ship in the High Republic called the Gaze Electric. And it's G-A-Z-E, but there is very quickly a podcast that was the G-A-Y-S Electric. <laughs> very quick. And I'm so mad because I thought about that. And for months, I was like, I need to make a sticker that says the gays, G-A-Y-S Electric. And then I just sat on my ass and didn't do anything. And then a podcast came out called the Gays Electric. And I was like, damn it, I didn't capitalize. <laughs> yeah, you don't have time for another podcast anyway, so... No, I was just going to make a sticker. Oh. <laughs> like a sticker or a shirt. And then the podcast came out and I was like, damn it. <laughs> so I, I got like, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just did. Oh, I was just m- mourning my not doing oh. things. Anyway. Um, Not a lot of notes. I like I like the you can kill each other later line. I this this one. Remember how I was talking about how there's like this stereotypical tension and it plays out. They had a little bit of it in this, but it was all good. It was all really well done. And like the apology and, you know, the, she's just like, listen, you go back to camp. You guys can chew on it when you get over, when you get there. It just, mm-hmm. it organically goes in the flow of the, the story and it, it's really good. Uh, I liked the. Uh, I liked the um, scene with Mon Mothma and her husband. She said, I didn't think you'd be interested because it was charitable. <laughs> that was a nice little knife in the in the neck. Um, and then I realized 
that Scheme's name is just like gives away his whole game. Right? It's pronounced Scheme, right? Like Scheme. Scheme. With an N. Okay. It sounds like Scheme, though. I know. So it's perfect. I think think it's on purpose. It's one of the Star Wars names. Because in my next note, my only other note is like the writing in this always knows where it's going, which makes me very excited for season two, which because I am absolutely positive they knew what the beginning, middle and end of this was going to be. And like, yeah, every 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 everything they write in this is in service of where this is going and what it's doing. And it's amazing to watch. That's all I got to say. Correct three. Um, let's see. I've already done some of these notes. Uh, sneaky intentions. Oh, the only other Gorn note I have, even though I said most of my Gorn notes in the second act. Um, story and structure wise, the Gorn scenes let us see all the locations of the heist. Yes. So that's really smart. Like when he goes down to talk to them about, like, why isn't this thing washed? Yeah. Um, the ship that they escape on is off to the left. It's right there. And like we see all the coins that they're gonna yeah. steal. And um, when we go up top, we see the part where like um, so, uh, Vel and Cinta are gonna be when they climb up. And then we see where the communications guy is. And we also see where like the little temple is that they march up by. So like other than just all the good stuff um that gordon's already doing it like story and, and narrative wise it lets the audience kind of get a layout of the the dam yeah of like what's gonna happen why it's gonna happen why it looks this way so it's just really cool that it does that so um very good use of it <coughs> sorry <coughs> there we go um i just have another this uncle harlow is someone i want to meet i just want to know him i just want to meet uncle harlow I'm just curious, yeah. It's curious. You know, it doesn't have to be in this show. Even He's if it's like a pompous an... bastard. Probably. Yes. I just I just want to see you. I just want to see you. He's Uncle got Harlow. one of he's got one of those bushy imperial mustaches. That's yeah. what I'm guessing. Yeah, no, I, I imagine him a thin mustache that curls, like that's a curling mustache. I, I imagine him with one of those, so he seems because again, he's a mob boss in my brain. So he has like a curling mustache. Um I need to read this note because I wrote this note last week. <laughs> so, um, Skeen is an interesting character because we know he switches on the group next episode to try and take the money. At first, I thought when I first watched this episode, I, ne- being next week's episode, that is, I thought it was a turn that was out of left field. But I think his talk with Cassian in the first act about the blaster and the tattoos is very telling of why yep. he turns. Skeen is under, and then come act three, Skeen is under the impression that Cassian is a mercenary. Uh, I do think Skeen was on in on being a rebel until he sees this guy come out of nowhere with a $30,000 kyber crystal and also getting a cut of the money and Skeen has slept in the dirt for months. And this guy only has to give a shit about the rebellion for a few days and will make bank off of it. Why should Skeen keep caring when he could just give a shit for a few days and then leave? So I think Cassian inspires Skeen in the completely wrong way. Cassian says that he is here to win and walk away. And Skeen says, wouldn't that be lovely? And Skeen got the wrong idea because 
of their opening chat yep. with the prison tattoos and then finding out Cassian is a mercenary and that yeah. he can s- just take his cut and fucking leave and not care about anything else anymore. I think he also suspects that Cassian might just take what is very possible would take up walk off with all the money too. So he's thinking, why not me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that's the, but that's like such a imperial way of thinking. Because the empire is all about like stepping on people to get higher. That just means that skin can go. Why not me? And I can just step on all of them, take my cut, and leave. Yeah. Which is, you know, it goes back to the community thing. You know, that's that's. Well, he's how... probably thinking this guy's probably planning on killing all of us and then taking the money. So, like, you know, the a better outcome would be me killing everybody and taking all the money. You know. Hmm. Um, I do like though in the sh- chat where Cassian comes out of as a merchant mercenary to them, how he kind of encourages them in a way because they're clearly scared. You know, they're not talking; they're all trying to be like Bill's trying to be like, yeah, to the rebellion, drinks, and, yeah. But they're scared, and he, I like that he calls them out. He's like, yeah, it's okay to be fucking afraid. This is fucking insane what we're doing, but don't lose your nerve. There's a difference between fear and nerves. And and I like that, that he it's it's kind of like this groundwork of the spy he's going to become because he's probably always scared. But that doesn't mean he can't do his job. And and well, I like that he gives of someone okay. saying it's better. You know, if you're not scared, then there's something wrong. You know, then you're mm-hmm. not. Then you. Yeah. You're... <laughs> so you. So you want to hear my really out there parent thought? Sure. I think that if Mon was actually open with Perrin and more of a good wife, he might actually be a better ally. <laughs> uh, but because he, Perrin sucks. Perrin sucks. I'm just going to say that now. But he's also massively kept in the dark from his wife's life. And like we don't know their relationship prior to this. Maybe they had a really loving relationship when she was still the Republic. When they were, maybe they were really close and loving. He was but, probably fun and handsome when he was younger. And she was pro- because she worked for the Republic. And yeah, the Clone Wars started, but like prior to Clone Wars, you know, like they probably did get along because why would he ask about Mon's life and charity charity if he didn't care? Even well, just he, a little bit. Even just a little bit. Because if he didn't care, he wouldn't bother to ask. Well, I have a I have a feeling that their marriage is pretty much they're stuck with each other and due to their positions they can't like get divorced or something, but at the same time they don't want to live in bickering hell. But I think there might be a chance he's asking her about stuff cuz he might he might like he might be a little suspicious. He might he his friends might, you know, it's the empire. His friend, his friends, might have been like, "Look, we know about your wife, man," and he's been in a joyless marriage for. He might be collect. He he could be collecting in, theoretically collecting information on her. That's interesting. I didn't think about that angle. Um, I don't very... think she's maybe would see see that angle coming. But then again, she might. She might because she's. She is super smart and yeah. you know he's already he's hanging out with those guys and talking about how fun fun they are and uh, you know that's like she knows what those people are up to and he's like ah they're fun you know yeah and, and I, to I, be able to do that says something about 
you that she may not like she might be smart enough not to she's not blinded by love that's for sure yeah and okay i'm gonna say i hear you and i think that's a really valid good point i'm gonna finish my point which is the opposite of that as Uh if they were in a happy marriage and then the empire came because I, I like what if there's a scenario where prior to the clone and because once the clone war started everything went downhill from there and during that time people like Masamita were trusted figures so they probably were fun quote-unquote fun of course Masamita was working for the empire the whole time but you know after the clone wars and the empire came Mon probably had a change from being a republic senator to an imperial senator and I could see Perrin being resentful, like Lita, because she is purposely pushing him away and setting him up to fail and keeping him in the dark. And what if he lost his wife that he actually loved and it broke their marriage? So, like, I, I, I do think Perrin is interesting of what if she did trust him more or maybe he's just always left. I don't know. But yeah. I, I I understand why he would be resentful, just like Lita, because his wife is keeping him in the dark about things. Because I don't think I, I I think that him asking about the new charity is interesting. Because if he didn't care at all, they wouldn't even be riding in the same goddamn car. They would be living completely separate lives. They would just see each other in passing. If he didn't care at least a little bit, why would he too. ask? They have a kid and a kid that he loves very much. He clearly right. loves Lita. Well, a lot of parents, a lot they, of parents will put on a show for years and years and years for a kid and they they are public figures and it may you know, maybe like in the in the terms of the senator stuff, it wouldn't be a big deal if they got um divorced or something. But in their in their society in their cult their personal you know cultural traditions of their planet it may be something that may be a no no for people of that position especially because they were uh, to even show discord you know they were arranged at sixteen I think if I remember correctly right Uh, so so like I mean I'm sure there's contingencies for the those arranged marriages where they just don't even like each other you know ways you have to act so. But I, I do think it's interesting that he asked. Like, he's like, why didn't you tell me about these things? Because I, I can understand if he is trying to make it work and she's pushing him away because of rebellion things and all he sees is a, his cold wife pushing him away. And he, I could see him being resentful on purpose. And it just goes back to what we were saying with Lita. Like, Mon is sacrificing her family for the rebellion. And it is a very good look at what she has to give up and i think to me the scariest thing of all of this is where are lita and perrin come rebels when she formally defects and goes to yavin where are they and that's a scary thought because i have a bad feeling about perrin and lita next next season yeah i i hope i hope in my head i actually hope perrin leaves mon i hope he takes lita and leaves her in 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 next in the next season, she's still like, she's not like on the run. Part of no, the she year. doesn't formally defect until like another, right. I think, like two or three years after this. Right. Char- Charles yep. will correct me um, because if this is taking place, season one of Rebels, she doesn't formally defect until season three, and there's like something like a two or three year time skip in that time. Um, there's so like he's, she still has a few more years before she defects. So. I I, um, I I'm 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 very suspicious 
that a lot of this stuff has the the those those elements of her story because it's not her it's the story of the rebellion it's not her story it's not even really cassian's story as much even though it's named after him it's sort of this they're focusing on the rebellion forming so you know they 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 set up her family they set up the whole dynamic of what mon moth the world mon mothma lives in and I think when I think in the next season, there won't be a lot of continue, you know, I think there'll be a new set of we'll we'll have some of the same characters, but that like instead of Cyril and his mom and stuff, it, it may be more focused on C- Cyril and D- Dedra and like Mon Mothma's Mon Mothma might not even be in the next one very much, you know. I know she she's already in season two. She's already in season two. Yeah, but like I, I you know the I I could see it that the the you know the second season there's going to be a time jump, and it, and you know they're going to use, it's it's like this there it's sort of going in the moment so it's like, you know if the character doesn't serve what's going on in in the chain of the story and in that moment there's no need to. Ha- to have them in there you know once you've developed the the dynamic between cyril and his mom it's that dynamic that makes cyril like he is more important than like actually what happens with him and his mom you know what i'm saying i just thought of something they it would be difficult to have lita for the entire second season because second season covers four years they'd have to age up that actress because she's a teenager and there's a big difference between like 13 and and 18. They can get another actress too. They could, but it would also be easier just to have her like in the first arc and then like Perrin takes Lita and leaves. Uh, if they, actually, if they know she's going to be back, they might have, they might, if they, if they know she's going to be back in the next season, they could have done the thing where they like use the makeup to make her look younger in this season. They then... do. Well, do remember at the end of the season, Lita's meeting the son of a mob boss to be betrothed, and both right. Aaron and Mon are pissed about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the few things they bond over is the hatred of Chandrillon customs that their daughter wants to do. Probably because of their marriage. Now, yeah. by the way, I really like your Partially. your thought of Perrin trying to spy on her. I think that's very interesting, and I, that's more interesting than my point because Perrin sucks. So, it, it, well, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be that he is but it it just has to be there to display that maybe she's suspicious that he is you know i don't know i love it it plays it's the dialogue in this is great it plays in a million different ways you know a lot of times or you know it could play in several different directions but i i got to it that 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 she's at the point where she's started because you know, I mean, their level of compartmentalization in this is insane. You know, they're you know when they're talking about you know the level of tr- levels of tr- trusted people and stuff, and you know just the amount of decision making about who to involve in it. You know, she would have to be suspicious of her husband at this point. You know, like to to involve yeah. her husband. If she involved I her mean, husband, she would. I be, mean, that's she would have to point. either okay it with like. Luthen and everybody or she would have to like completely betray all of them and potentially like get them all killed you know by letting her husband know 
Well, they also, um, that's also a plot point later because uh, when she starts realizing that the, imp- the Empire is like getting suspicious about her money, she makes a fake argument in front of Cloris, the driver with Perrin. She's like, I can't believe you're gambling again. And he's just like, what? <laughs> What are you talking about? She's like, I heard it from so-and-so that you were gambling. We can't keep losing all this money. I'm going to have to move money to cover your ass again, Perrin. And he's just like, what the fuck? What is happening? And he's like, I heard it from Samantha. And he's like, well, Samantha's a bitch because I am not. And they have that fake argument later on to hide her ass. So, yeah. Yeah. So, she's aware of how to use Perrin. Yeah, and she's feeding the driver. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the last things I have are about the final scene in Luthen's shop, and there are two. Welcome to again to Luthen is a secret hidden Jedi tinfoil hat theory hour. You ready? Yeah. The Jedi and Sith holocrons. You know what's interesting about Je- Jedi and Sith holocrons? When they're when two of them are together, their force energies cancel each other out and make kind of like a white noise effect in the force. So you can actually cloak yourself with two, a, a Jedi and a Sith holocron. Oh. So it would keep uh, people oh. like Inquisitors and Palpatine from sensing him when he's on Coruscant. Oh. It's just like one of those like little nerdy things that like only like that is not very like on the surface. But also in this time, like, holocrons are illegal. Like, anything Jedi is illegal. And the fact that he has two fucking huge ones in the background, like, that's that's illegal contraband. Yeah. But it's also, um, he could play it off as just like, I don't know what these are. They're just uh, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something right now. Any <laughs> antique shop that doesn't have at least one illegal thing in it is not worth its salt. Exactly. And it's in the back room. So, thank you for coming to <laughs> Hope Thinks Luthen is a hidden Jedi tinfoil hat theory hour. His, his 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 acting of being nervous was amazing. It affected his whole body was like his skin looked looser on his face and looked he looked gray and drawn and trudging about like he was trudging about like shuffles. yeah he like make making you nervous just while it was he's a very good physical actor. Mm-hmm. And I've been hinting at this for a while. Um, this is my first time touching on this point, and I will be coming back to this constantly throughout the rest of the show. I think Clea is the real axis, and she's the one in charge. And this was the first real time that we kind of really see that. Because, like, he's the one that's losing his nerve, and, like, he's the face of all of this. Well, she's the one hiding behind the scenes. And she's the one that's ordering him to clean, co- clean coins if she's going to be useful. And she's the one that's keeping him in check from being too emotional over this heist. And she's the calm one while he is nervous and a wreck. And well, well, I, I love the, the thought of her just like being the one really in charge. And Luthen at the end is always disposable. Because he asks her about her walkway bag. And she's like, I'm fine. But why would she, like, you know, of course, not why. Of course they would need walkway bags, but like, if she is the real access, she, she's the one that needs to be the, have the most protection, which is why he's like, are you ready to walk away? And she's like, always, but we're not. <laughs> so I. It's hard to say. It's um, yeah. whatever, whatever they got going. He's got a deeper personal relationship with her than anybody else. They've got. Oh, yeah. They familiar, know they've got a familiarity where. Now, interesting <laughs> thing. She doesn't necessarily have to be in charge. You want to know the go to go go clean coins? She just knows him long enough to know when the moment is to say, 
Luthen, go clean coins, you know, and, and he'll do it, you know. Now, the interesting thing is, and in the is Luthen a secret Jedi tinfoil hat theory, part of that is the possibility of Clea being his Padawan. And they both survive together. Yeah. In hiding, in hiding together. Because I then that would give that her... theory because I don't want it to be, I don't want Jedis in this. I don't want it either, but I think it's very interesting because they present a lot of things that <sighs> lean in that way. And I will be coming back to it. So, But that's all I have. I'm tired. I'm ready to wrap this puppy up. So did you have any other notes for the Axe Forgets? I do not. All right. Hit me with your score. So Chris, don't ask me any more questions about it. I I won't because I will be talking about the eye next week. Oh, that's good because I've already forgot what happened. Other than Nimic being squished. Huh? Nimic gets squished. Oh. The what? The eye. The eye? The eye is the the eye is the title of next week's episode. Oh, oh okay, yes. Yes. We're getting our first big special effects coming. Mm-hmm. So score it up for me, Chris. I gave this one an 8.5, although I love this. Uh, it's, 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 it's another, it's, you know, it's a build, it's a building up and doing information. I love the way it's structured. I love the way it go. The way it goes back and forth between all the characters isn't jarring. It, it flows very well. And the way they give all the information, you know, it's basically a big episode to give information, you know, to start setting up information it's a big exposition episode and it's glorious it's so well presented and written but i'm giving it 8.5 because it's just it's not like a standout although it has two of my favorite scenes in the whole series uh cyril and his mom and the tie fighter flying over so 8.5 it's yeah, that's where I am too. Like it's it's a really good episode and there's a lot of really good stuff in it. Um, uh, but it's just continuing setting up for next week. Yeah, um but, I mean, but it is it is really nice like getting like those little bits of like Cassian getting more involved and I, I do like his scenes with Nimic because he has these like these looks of just like why is this child talking to me so fast? But like it's starting to sink in because Nimic was right. Cassian was his ideal reader. And we start seeing it sinks in, especially when you get to the prison arc. Everything that Nimic is saying finally sinks into Cassian. He's just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, So, like, there's a lot of, like, good groundwork for, like, the back half of the season in this. And I like the stuff with, like, little snippets of, like, Dedra and Hirt and um, and what's his butt, Cyril and his mom and... All that too. So, and I love the I love the stuff with Mon Mothma, Mothma. I really find her family dynamic really interesting and very I never important. Thought I'd be stuff. interested in Mon Mothma's story. She's always been kind of a, uh, just not a very big personality character. And and in Rogue in Rogue One, she was kind of like not annoying as a character, but her character was being annoying in the plot by being kind of like you know in the in you know sort of now falling behind the rebellion because she's still in the, you know, still undercover in the Senate. But like, so I never thought I'd be really too excited about seeing Mon Mothma's story, but it's, yeah, it's as engaging and interesting as all the other, any, anything else going on in this. It's, it's really awesome. And it will make any 
scenes with Mon Mothma in them in all the past Star Wars even better now, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I have. Uh, well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, the Teacher Freaks Facebook page, and now Discord. And this week, our feedback comes from Discord and Facebook for our Kenobi episodes, part three and four. Yes, okay, from episode three comes Chris Munts. Is it Munts or Mounts? I've, I don't know. I've never said your name out loud before. I've only seen I think it it's on Mounts. Facebook for years and years yeah, and years. It's Mounts. Okay, Chris Mounts. And, and I know that my because bra- I do My a, brain I, says Chris Munts for some reason. But there's uh, an O in there, like a mouse. Yeah. I know, but my brain does whatever the hell it wants, and <laughs> I can't help it. So Chris Mounts says, "You're a friendly neighborhood fascist freck." Yep. Yeah, such a good-natured working-class guy. Ah, uh, freck was great. I I love to hate that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I love that character. He was such a good character. It would only been it would only been better if he like when all the shit started hitting the fan and he ran away by diving into the ground and burrowing under like a mole and you just saw a little mound of dirt going away yeah. since that would have been that would have been great. It would have sort of broken the Ah, it wouldn't have been any dumber than Obi-Wan not just walking around that laser fence, but never mind. Wait, wait, wait. Did you hear, did you see the um, panel from Celebration, uh, the Kenobi, any, anything no. from the Kenobi pa- panel from no. Celebration? So no. they had the actress Va- uh, Vivian who played little Leia, and she fucking roasts o- Ewan McGregor <laughs> a few times. Hey. It's, it's so good but the best part was like she's talking she's just I, talking about like how it was being on set and she was like and sometimes there are just things that are so Star Wars like me walking under the coat surely someone would notice someone like me this big lump underneath the coat but no apparently they don't do that and then she goes up to Obi-Wan and sees him and she's of course being kidnapped and she sees this old man and she's like mm, red flags <laughs> McGregor's just like, ow! (laughs) (laughs) She just fucking roasts Ewan multiple times. And I'm like, you are tiny Carrie Fisher in the making. I was just going to say, so she's just like, Carrie Fisher leaped into her body at at her moment of death. It's now going to terrorize us again. I sure do hope so. Because give me like 10 more years in her playing young Leia. Like, because she... (laughs) She calls you to McGregor old man right on in public yeah. on a stage full of thousands of people. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> so I'm sorry, continue your feedback. All right. The next one is from episode four and comes from Gene Hendricks. Woohoo! Gene comment. The whole quote cutting himself off from the force. Unquote. It reminds me a lot of what the writers and legends had to do to Luke. Quote, Oh, Luke's a full Jedi now, so he could solve this problem really quick. Let's injure him so he can't use his full power. Unquote. Clever the first couple of times, but it got old real quick. Yeah. 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 
Thank you, Jane. Thanks, <laughs> Jane. Well, that's all. I'm tired I... after just talking like Jean for a whole paragraph. Yes, I if it's I am ready for bed myself. I am. How does still... Jean do that twenty four seven? I don't because he's epic. Jean's <laughs> <laughs> having dreams, going no, no, get away, honey, honey, wake up. What I was having a nightmare. <laughs> Well, I hope you feel better, honey. I will. Let us Good make night. Oh, that was nicer than what I was going to say. Uh -oh. I was going to say, let us fornicate. <laughs> <laughs> My good wife. Allow us to All right. fornicate. All right. Let's let's. Uh, we love you, Jean. Let's just simmer down here. <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, let's just proceed forward with the show. Hope. I'm hearing the jingle in my head mixed with the idea of don't, 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 not, not yet. <laughs> oh boy, I need to go to bed. I am tired. <laughs> Where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website where we keep all the podcasts. Every single one of them are sitting in there for you to enjoy, to binge through like you or Gene. And uh, they're, they're all there all the time. You can subscribe to them. You can look at them. You can run your fingers through them. We are also on Facebook. You can go to the Two True Freaks podcast page. See all our new shows as they pop up, or the Two True Freaks Cantina, where you can just hang out, or you can go to the Cursed Cursed Earth Twitter, and uh, and go to the Two True Freaks feed on Twitter, and you won't see no bullshit because Twitter is run by Gene Gene, the fornicating machine. I can't do the song. I'm laughing so much. Oh, I can't. I love you, He has a kid. <laughs> ba da ba ba da bum. Gee. I can't. The whole, I was talking <laughs> the whole time you were talking because I was me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, anyway. It's, um, don't forget about our Discord. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, that's right. You can sign up for our Discord for free. And yeah. if you go to the Two True Freaks page and look at our episodes, we'll have a link with an invitation to our Discord. So go there and come talk to us. We're, anyway, having, fun. we're, we're having fun in the J Guys and Jedi one. Like that's yeah. we're one of the more active Discords. Yeah, we got. So. We, yeah, you can. Uh, Charles, Charles, and Gene are are very active on the on that site. So you get two two and, and, and two of our celebrity listeners. And our, and our good friend Brian, too, who has actually been one of our earliest listeners. Yes. He's been here for a very long time. Three, three celebrity listeners there. So, yeah, go sign up. Anywhere. Where, where, where can they find you, Hope? Oh, you can find me all sorts of places. Like on the dreaded Twitters, on at Guys and Jedi, and at Hope Molinux. Um, you can also find me writing at the Geeky Waffle. I write for Dork Side of the Force. I write, write for Wealth of Geeks. And I am also a podcaster for for Light and Dice, or FLAD, as we like to call it for short. Come listen to us at FLAD. And it is 
a Star Wars tabletop podcast. We are RPGing. We are actually rolling dices. We are actually accidentally killing people. And we are going on fun adventures through the galaxy. Things are about to get extra crazy because we are starting an arc and our party is split. Which means shit's always going to go down when the party is split. So we are actually just wrapping up the second story arc. So now's a really good time to jump into it because we're about to start a new story arc. So yay! So go check out For Light and Dice. And come back next week, guys. For us, we are going to squish a true believer. And... Like a tube of toothpaste. Oh, ah! But we're also going to climb. I'm going to talk a lot about the word climb next week. You're a little climb, yeah. Climb! Climb! And now climb, I'm climb, 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 climb! See, climb, 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 climb. And now I'm going to go to bed. So come back next week where we are going to talk about the eye. Aye, we are. Aye, oh. we are going to talk about the eye. Aye. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Suck it to me? (laughs) 